It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Oklahoma City Thunder suffer a tough loss against the Charlotte Hornets. We're going to dive into what went wrong tonight, why the rotations were so deep. Plus, there were three very bright spots, though, in this loss to the Hornets with some career highs in the mix. But we'll talk about it all on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team... Every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Ultimate GM. We're going to dive into this loss to the Charlotte Hornets, a trio of players who had big nights, but an otherwise brutal loss this season. Is this the worst loss of the year for OKC? And where do they go from here, including why the rotations were so deep in this game? But the show is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. Every single one of you have probably dreamed about becoming an NBA GM and managing your own basketball franchise. This game is definitely for you if that's the case. Go download it by visiting ultimatebasketballgm.com or uh, look it up in the app stores. Our listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when you use the code LOCKEDON, all caps, no spaces, in the game. Well... Listen to Locked On Mavs uh, over the weekend. They lost twice to the Hornets. And I got to say, it ain't no fun when the Rabbits got the gun because uh, it was it was enjoyable to dance on the Dennis Smith Jr. daggers. But uh, being on this end of a Hornets loss is not great. The Thunder did not have Shea. He was out with an ankle injury, an ankle sprain that we saw him suffer on Sunday. And I alluded to that uh, in the last podcast about how the fact that they knew you know, kind of sitting him any longer after the after he went out with the injury would make it worse. A, a flight back didn't sound great and everything, and he didn't play in this one. Uh, he's he's more so day-to-day of, like, it, no one knows he's going to play against the Pistons or not uh, here in a couple of hours. But nonetheless, Shea was out in this one. Chet was out. Lindy Waters was out. Kenny Hustle was out. And then Olivier Saar did not play. Uh, for the Thunder, they start out with Josh Giddy, Isaiah Joe, Lou Dort, Jay Dub, and Jay Will. The Hornets beat the Thunder while not having Gordon Hayward, while not having Terry Rozier, while not having Kelly Oubre, while not having LaMelo Ball. Uh, And even Dennis Smith Jr. was a late scratch, who did in the Mavericks twice in a row. Uh, Mark Williams did not play in this one as part of their set plan for their bigs. And the question of, is this the worst loss of the Thunder season, the same Thunder that lost to the Rockets? Um, I I would say yes in the sense of the gravity of the game. Um, and, And that, of course, is perspective, right? It's because we're so close to this game and so fresh from this game. Uh, had you won that Rockets game, right? And then drop this one, uh, you, you know, you'd be in the same spot. So, it, it, you know, you say it all counts the same 
right? You're going to want to take care of these games, no matter if they happen in October or happen right now. Um, but this is the one that you're going to want back. And look, these are NBA players on that side of the floor. And this league is deeper than it's ever been. And the Thunder were on that end of it the last couple of seasons where they had NBA guys that were overlooked. They had NBA guys that wanted to go out there and play free. They had NBA guys that were out there and uh, and, and, and shocking the world. But there were times in this game where OKC yet again did not have the juice, the jolt, the energy, whatever you want to call it. And these Hornets scored 137 points against the team that's been flirting with the top 10 defense all year. P.J. Washington scored 43 points and shot 66%. Um, Look, the Hornets beat Dallas twice this week. They beat OKC. They're on a three-game winning streak. They're rolling. The Thunder have also lost to teams like the Rockets. The the Lakers have lost to the Rockets. Like, everyone in the NBA suffers a bad loss. Uh, The Thunder lost to these Hornets earlier this year. They've lost to these Pistons earlier this year. Everyone has bad losses. Everyone has losses that you want back. And the Thunder wake up today still in the 10th seed. But the disappointing part of all of this is that Portland should have been the wake-up call. Portland should have been the game that's like, okay, we really got to buckle down now, which is a phrase that Josh Goody used post-game of like, this game makes you realize you got to buckle down. You got to keep your foot on the gas. You, you got to keep pushing, keep playing when you're up 11 at halftime. Like these guys aren't going to roll over for you. It's the NBA. Like these guys are playing for something. All of them that are playing, while they might not be great players in the grand scheme of the landscape of the NBA, they're playing for something. What was Isaiah Roby playing for last year? Oh, yeah, to, to try to catch on with another team. Even though he was out in OKC, he got almost picked up immediately by the Spurs, you know, claimed, claimed by the Spurs. Like, he, he was playing for himself. He was playing to elongate his career, as is the case with everyone who's on the court. Everyone wants to play good. We talk about tanking all the time. We talk about uh, what that means. It has nothing to do with when that ball's tipped. Tanking happens in the preseason. Tanking happens whenever you're making moves to construct your roster. But once that ball's tipped, everybody wants to win, including the Charlotte Hornets. And this was a bad loss. And it was a loss where... You know, you can learn something from it because you're the second youngest team in the NBA, and the second youngest team in the NBA who did not have Shea struggled to close this one out. They got down by 13 points. They battled back. They got up by 13 points. They they saw a 13-point deficit, and they blew a 13-point cushion in this game against these Hornets. Eight lead changes, eight times tied. And when you look at the stats, I mean, the Thunder were dominated on the glass, 52-39. to 39. But the Hornets didn't turn that into a ton of second-chance points. In fact, the Thunder had more second-chance points than the Hornets did in this one. Uh, The Thunder had more points in the paint. The Thunder had more fast-break points. And the Hornets turned the ball over seven more times than OKC did. But the glass stuff uh, was was pivotal. It's been that way all season long. Uh, It's helped swing the game. The massive putback uh, helped swing the game for the Hornets. And this game comes down to each side, no matter who no matter who won, at the end of it, you'd be saying, wish they could have made their free throws. Both teams shot under 80% at the line. The Hornets shot 63% from the free throw line. So for everyone, you know, freaking out about, you know, J-Dub and, and Giddy missing those free throws down the stretch, I mean, the, the Thunder shot 79% from the free throw line. So the Hornets shot 63. Had, had the Thunder converted on those free throws, it would be the same case scenario for the Hornets of like, hey, if we would have hit our free throws, we would have won the game. The Thunder shot 52% from the floor, 36% from three. Hornets shot 55% from the floor, 40% from three. 
And there was just never enough juice in this game. There was moments where it looked like it was going to get there. It looked like the team was going to get over that hump, and they didn't. And they didn't. And that's part of not having Shea. That's part of not uh, being an experienced team. That's part of um, you know just not being in these moments to close out these games. And that's part of life in the NBA. And that brings us to a more broader topic, which is why the rotation got so deep, which is a burning question among everyone around the Thunder right now. We're going to talk about that coming up. But there's no doubt about this being a bad loss. But you also wake up in the play-in still. And you put your back against the wall. You have to win against the Pistons. Uh, you, arguably, you have to steal a game now. Like you, you can't just, you can no longer just beat the Pistons, beat the Pacers, beat the, beat the Jazz. You're going to need to steal one from the Suns or from the, the Warriors or from a Memphis. Like you're going to need to steal one now. Um, but regardless, you wake up today in 10th. You have a tiebreaker over Dallas, and Dallas is a very tough schedule. So we'll see. And, and Portland's packed it up, and it's kind of just now truly in the thick of it with the play in. But this is a tough loss as was the Rockets game. Uh, and, and the Thunder have won games where it didn't look like that they should win. Like the Celtics game, uh, whenever they just blew them out of the water, whenever nobody thought that they'd win that game. Uh, you know, like like this all this all kind of balances out in the wash. It's just that we're so close to it right now that it's that's it's a disaster and the sky is falling. But there's no there's no reason they should have lost this game on paper. And I totally get the frustration about this about this loss because they didn't they had the same problems in this game that they had Sunday. And and typically throughout Mark's career and throughout this team's just lifespan of this season, they responded very well to deficiencies and they have, and they didn't do that in this one. They did not do that, especially at home. And even though they got down by 13, once you get up by 13 at home against the Hornets, you should be able to continue to keep an arm's length and, and, and kind of uh, get yourself over the hump and get yourself a win. And just, even if it was an ugly win, like Sunday, this is what we talked about on Sunday and an ugly win is still better than a loss. You feel a lot better having won this game than lost this game, but in the end, they couldn't close it out. In the end, they made some mistakes and shot themselves in the foot. And they were they put themselves in that position by not bringing that intensity that they brought in the fourth quarter of the entire game. Like if, if you would have had that defensive intensity that they had in the you know, last seven minutes of the fourth quarter, the whole game, you would have overwhelmed the Hornets. You would have shut them down. You would have blown this game out of the water. But you've got to come ready, and you've got to be able to bring that every single night, regardless of who they do play, don't play, uh, their, their record, whatever it is. And that's what these young guys are going to learn. This is still the second youngest team in NBA history. The youngest team in this league. Younger than all these tanking teams. We typically think of tanking teams as like really young teams. This Thunder team, who is right there in the play and mix, in fact, in the postseason, if the season were to end today, they're younger than all these teams. They're at the bottom of the standings. And we'll talk about the rotations. We'll talk about what Mark said post-game uh, about the play-in and about the postseason and just everything that's gotten... Uh, gotten your goat a little bit here over the last 12 hours. But let's talk about our good friends over at Ultimate Basketball GM. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is the coolest game I've ever played in a very long time. It is incredible and it's addicting. Folks, we have a competition here at the Lockdown Podcast Network with which one of our hosts can win the most championships in Ultimate Pro Basketball GM and which one of us can uh, get our team to glory the most. I will say, I've gotten three rings, but Pat the Designer, Locked on Bulls, he is dominating this competition. Uh, but 
I am doing better than Isaac Harris in this one uh, for what that is worth, who owes Locked on Maps. So go check it out today. It's very thick. You can, you can deal with uh, personnel moves. You can deal with hiring and firing coaches, training and trading players, making draft picks, going through free agency, the ups and downs of a season, and even dealing with kind of the, the front office stuff of like setting ticket prices even. So go, go check it out today. It's all a fun, challenging, realistic world of basketball. Over there at the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, uh, use the code Locked on all caps, no spaces for a great boost to your franchise. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe across all podcasting platforms and check out the uh, Game to Game Podcast for recap show of the night before in the association. So why are the rotations so deep? Why are the Thunder playing so many players? What's happening? It's a question that's getting asked right now. But this is what the Thunder do. It's like whenever you freak out about the overhelping and and leaving guys open. I tweeted out in October that the Thunder defense would be susceptible to threes in the corner all season long. Uh, And and they've been susceptible to threes on the perimeter, being wide open all season long because they're overhelping in the paint, which they have to do, which has allowed them to flirt with a top 10 defense. And flirting with a top 10 defense and giving up 137 to the Hornets is still terrible. Um, But... Some nights these guys get hot. Some nights these guys are are actually terrible. Like you look at Portland, they caught fire against OKC on Sunday. Against the Hornets on on Monday, they couldn't hit. I mean, against the against the Pelicans on Monday, they couldn't. The the, the Trailblazers couldn't hit water over the boat. And, you know that's just kind of life in the NBA. And these Hornets are on fire for the last three games. They're going to run out of a stretch here where they're not on fire because they're the Hornets, uh, and that's going to cut even worse. But this is what the Thunder do. Like the Thunder are going to try things. They're going to experiment. They're going to, to, to mix and match. And and in this game, it was more so you can envision it as a bullpen, like opening days opening days on Thursday. So, th- so think baseball with me. Go to baseball world. Nobody brought the energy tonight. For the second straight game, nobody brought the energy tonight. This game did not have enough juice. The minute made was out. And you just go to the bullpen and say, hey, who's going to get me three outs? Who's going to string together? A couple good innings to keep my my bats in the game. That, that's what happened. You cycle through and see. You go to Sarge. Can you give me? Can you give me any good minutes? He gave you three minutes that weren't good. Take them out. You go to Jared Butler. Can, can you give me any good minutes? Seven minutes. The Hornets went on a run. But you're just trying things. And I get it. It's frustrating. It's frustrating whenever Jared Butler plays seven minutes and Sarge plays three minutes, and you know there's still no jolt to be had. I get it. It's frustrating whenever, you know, this team doesn't bring the energy. But this team is also down a ton of players and playing a very condensed schedule, which should count for something. Um, Shea, Chet, Lindy, Kenny, Levy, Shard didn't play. Five guys did not play in this game for, on this roster uh, to where your, your hand is kind of forced a little bit. Um, the, the biggest thing that I think is the only gripe to have about this rotation, uh, it's not playing Sarge three minutes. Like, that doesn't matter. It's not playing Jared Butler seven minutes in a game where you don't have Shea and, and, and you're lacking you know, an a, a option as a ball handler. It's the fact that 
when you're looking for that jolt, when you're looking for that juice, you have a proven guy in Aaron Wiggins who you've accredited always brings the juice, always brings the energy, is a steady hand, and you don't go to him. That's the problem to me. I would say, what if that's the point? And again, I'm not trying to spin this. I think it was the wrong decision. I think the decision should have been Wiggins. Wiggins should have played more than 12 minutes in this game. And I don't think that there's any way to explain it other than this. What if the point is that they know Wiggins always brings the juice? Is that they know Wiggins is always going to bring a jolt, is going to make winning plays, is going to help you win games? And with a roster crunch looming and judgments looming on guys like Jerry and Trey Mann against the Hornets you thought you could get away with trying to see if they could do it in a must-win game. Like, in the mind of the Thunder, I could see where, hey, we've got to figure out if we even need to keep Jerry and Trey Mann around. This is a this is a high-stakes game against a bad team where we still think that no matter what they do, we can salvage it. And had you made your free throws, you would have salvaged it. You know, so let's see what they can do whenever we know what Wiggins can do. We're not we're not judging Wiggins anymore. He he's had his judgment day. He's passed. He's got a passing grade. Still trying to figure some things out on some data points with these guys before you make the ultimate call. Because you don't want to make the call on their careers in OKC, having not overturned every stone, having not uh, collected as much data points as you can. What if that's the point? And that's to me the only justifiable reason to not go to Wiggins. And I think that that was his reason to not go to Wiggins. Is that you knew what he would bring. You knew that you could break glass in case of emergency. He would save the day. But you don't know if these other guys can play in games that you have to win. And one game doesn't decide that. Um, but it's disappointing that you couldn't go to Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Trey Mann, who you spent you know, a top 20 pick on with Trey Mann, and find a way to beat the Wizards. I mean, find a way to beat the Hornets. I'm sorry. It, it, it is disappointing in that. But again, I want to put be clear. For my personal opinion, Wiggins would be playing a lot more if I was the head coach. I'm not the head coach. But trying to answer your question, which I've been flooded with in mentions, DMs, comments, why isn't Wiggins playing? Why are the rotations so deep? This is all I can conjure up of why. And I think that even when this team is in a contention mode, think about this, folks. Not a, hey, we might make the play in. No, contention, like like literally they could go on a run and they could win a, win a title. Like when they're in that mode, I think Mark will still experience experiment for 82 games. Now, come postseason time, experiments are done. You then use the data point from the experiments. But in terms of the 82 games, he'll experience, he'll, he'll experiment. Here's the thing though. When you're in that mode, when you're in NBA Finals mode, your experiments don't cost you. The Celtics lose to the Wizards. Nobody blinks an eye. They're contenders. They're going to be okay. They're not going to experiment in the playoffs. They're going to use those experiments to make decisions in June because they're going to be playing basketball in June. And the Thunder aren't there right now. Their experiments can still cost them and cost them standings and cost them um, um, outcomes of their season. And that's okay. That's where this team is supposed to be. They're on track. They're on track. I know we got hopped up on sugar, right? We spoiled our appetite. We spoiled it before we had dinner. But there's a sizzling steak coming out, I promise. Might not be this year. It might still be back in the kitchen, but it's coming out. 
And so that's my overall thoughts on this rotation and why it was so deep and, and what could be the reasoning for, um, for all of this. I think that Mark's a great coach. I think Mark is the best coach in Thunder history. I said that on the Hornets pregame show yesterday. And I think that you have a right to be frustrated in general of like the here and now of why didn't you beat the Hornets? You could have played Wiggins because I also tweeted out. I think that they should have played Wiggins. I'm saying it right now to you. I think that they should have played Wiggins, but I also think that this game had you hit your free throws. We're not having the same reaction and that's unfair. Like there are people having outlandish takes about Mark that had that had the thunder made their free throws on the stretch would have never been tweeted, would have never been said into the ether. And that's kind of where we're, we're doing this off of the way a ball bounces. Whenever we know he's a really good coach and, and this stuff is going to happen. Like they got 50 million draft picks. They're, they're going to have a roster folks that has 12 guys that you can justify needing minutes. If it all goes according to plan, some of these guys are going to get pushed so far down the roster. That they're not going to get minutes, you know, in a tight rotation and you're, and you're going to still believe in them. And that's great. And that's where the experiments come in. And that's where you know what you got. And that's where you can do something crazy. Like, like, think about this. Remember whenever the, the Mavericks were going against the Jazz in the, or I'm sorry, the Clippers in, in the playoffs and they put Bobon on the floor? Conventional wisdom would not put Bobon on the floor in the playoff game. But they did it. And it worked. They threw a curveball and it worked. Because they experimented with it and tried it in the regular season. And they were able to get away with it because the standings weren't so that so so jam packed, and and they had to separate themselves enough to where they could experiment with it in the in the regular season, and then do it in the playoffs as a little gimmick, as a little curveball um, to get them by in a certain stretch of a stretch of a series, stretch of a game. Um, but that's why you experiment is to get those data points and figure out, hey, if we do this against this certain matchup, it could actually it could actually pay dividends for us. Ultimately, though, I, I don't think that uh, it's it's as it's worth getting up in arms about. The bottom line is, even with the experiments, even with the seven Jared Butler minutes, even with the three Sarich minutes, even with the Jeremiah Robinson Earl minutes, you hit your free throws, you ride this thing out with the crowd that energized behind you in the fourth quarter and, and, and if you needed overtime into overtime. And this is a totally different conversation, totally different ballgame. You should not be sitting here today crucifying the Sarich three minutes for why the Hornets beat this, beat this team. So the Thunder are in the exact right place where they're supposed to be. That's the thing. And they're and not, not even that. They're ahead of schedule still. With this loss to the Hornets, they're still ahead of schedule. No matter how this season ends, standings-wise, they're still ahead of schedule. And that's awesome. We'll talk about the three bright spots of this game coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends. Over at FanDuel, folks, FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. This is awesome. Uh, the tournament is heated up all the way to the Final Four. Go check it out today. FanDuel.com is America's number one sports book. It's because right now, FanDuel, if you're a new customer, get in there because you have a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet does not win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today with the no sweat first bet and go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. I love checking out the FanDuel odds and the FanDuel lines uh, for all the different sports, including the NBA. The Mavericks are going into Philadelphia 
as five-point underdogs in a pivotal game for the standings for the Thunder. The Thunder are 11-point favorites in the Paycom Center tonight against the Pistons. So if you feel confident either way, go over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and place a bet today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much. Subscribe to the, the podcast on YouTube or anywhere else you get your podcast from, uh, so that way you can stay in touch. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. And until... Uh, now, we're talking about Jalen Williams' incredible game. He delivered. We've been begging all season long to see a more aggressive Jalen Williams. And in this spot, must-win game, uh, at home, no Shea, he took over this game. He was ultra-aggressive. He had 16 shot attempts, but nine free throws. This is a team that, outside of Shea, does not get to the line a ton. Uh, nine free throws from J-Dub, replacing some of that Shea free throw rate. Uh, 16 shot attempts, but still shot 68% from the floor. He dominated this game at the rim. Just absolutely dominated this game at the rim. The Hornets swatted three goal tents on J-Dub. Would have been a fourth, but the review overturned it. Ultimately, Jalen Williams scores 31 points. Three rebounds, four assists, four steals. He gets an and one and high fives a fan in the crowd. One of the coolest, just coolest dudes in the NBA is Jalen Williams. And I just love the way that he uses body and link to create lanes and create windows to get shots off in this game at the rim. Really just attacking the rim relentlessly. And and he had those slams that uh, at times brought the juice, but it goes back to the juice was not sustained. The juice was not there for a, a consistent period. It was there in the second quarter for the, the run. It was there in the, in the Lou Dort run. It was there um, in, in certain spurts. But it was not consistent enough and thus got the Thunder beat. But he, he was awesome. 17 first-half points from J-Dub. Josh Giddy was awesome. Way more aggressive offensively and, and, and really took on that offensive load in the first half especially. Finishes with 30 points as a career high while shooting 63% from the floor. Two for four from the line. One for three from three. Ten rebounds, nine assists, a block. Uh, he made everybody better on the offensive end. And I really wish that with him scoring uh, 30 points and almost getting a triple-double, with J-Dub scoring 31 points, with Isaiah Joe scoring 33 points, that the Thunder could have came away with this win and, and kind of done it with these guys stepping up offensively while Shea was out. Um, because even Isaiah Joe, 30, 33 points, career high, two blocks, an assist, five for, se- uh, five for seven from the line, six for 11 from three, uh, 18 for se- uh, 11 for 18 overall. He had a slam dunk, a step back, catch and shoot, refire triples. So he had everything that you'd want from Isaiah Joe. And then the last shout out here, like on, on the on the kind of positivity, Lou Dort. Lou Dort stepped up big in the fourth quarter. He brought the intensity, and that intensity raised the team's defensive intensity. So they played a lot better in the fourth quarter, around the seven minute mark or so, uh, the, you know, on the defensive end. Here's the thing: the, the team has to learn how to bottle up that fourth quarter intensity at the end of the game where they were locking up defensively and do that for 48 minutes with or without Shea uh, against a good team or bad team no matter what's happening around them. That should be their identity for 48 minutes a night. 
And that's a tough ask. That's a very tough ask. But especially when the season's on the line in games like this, you, you've, you've got to step up. But Lou Dort, for all the talk that we've done, all the talk that you've done, every, every talk that everyone else has done, plus five in this game, a personal 6-0 run, 16 points, um, awesome. Seven rebounds, shot four for 10, and got a steal, two assists, seven rebounds. Lou Dort was really good. I mean, he was really good. And had the Thunder won this game, wouldn't have been for without Lou Dort. Like, if the Thunder were to, were to hold on and win this game, it would have all been attributed to Lou Dort's fourth quarter run on defense, which led to offense. And which led to everyone else raising their intensity level and bringing a spark back to the crowd. Ludort was good. Jadub, Kitty, Joe were awesome. Uh, the three-way tie for them for MVP, but I'll give it to Josh Kitty overall. It sucks that the, that the night is spoiled, so to say, where it's spoiled that your second-year player, your rookie, and Isaiah Joe, like they, they went off, and it's supposed to be a great mood, a great feeling for them stepping up in place of SGA and and now the, the mood around Oklahoma City is down. But it's still awesome for the future, and it's still a spotlight of, for all the questions of, can Josh Giddy perform offensively? Can he score in this league? Can he be an offensive threat besides passing the ball? He just did. For all the questions of, can Jalen Williams become an efficient player with SGA, without SGA? Because look at Paolo. Paolo's inefficient, but yeah, he doesn't have SGA next to him. He just did it again. And every time that Josh Giddy uh, and J-Dub have had to play without SGA. J-Dub's been really aggressive as on the offensive end. Josh Giddy's mainly been good. Today he was great. Both of them were great. Lou Dort. Steal one for four from three. That, that you know Four for ten overall. But but this was a much better game. And a, a much better response to his to his recent stretch of games. And it doesn't end in a win. And now, look... You, you have to win the, the the Pistons game. You just have to. Uh, it's 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 pretty much too late to pivot to pivot in any sort of way. The Thunder don't want to pivot in any sort of way. Um, it's thirty seven and thirty nine right now for the for the record for OKC. You got to win. Got to win against the Pistons in this in this set. Stay tuned on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles and to see if SGA will play or not in this one. Uh, and recap it all on tomorrow's show. So until then. Be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.